Hello friends, welcome to the Functional Nurse Practitioner Podcast. I'm a board-certified family nurse practitioner who specializes in women's health, utilizing both conventional and functional medicine strategies in order to provide a more comprehensive approach for optimal health. The current model of care in healthcare is very lacking, which led me down the road of functional medicine. Functional medicine is a systems biology approach which looks at uncovering the root cause for the symptoms we're having in order to allow for healing versus simply applying a Band-Aid to the situation. I believe we need an integrative approach of both conventional and functional medicine in order to provide the best care possible. I've been incorporating functional medicine practices within my gynecology practice and have seen phenomenal results. I believe we need to level up our healthcare system so women, all my ladies out there, can actually feel better. Just a quick disclaimer that this podcast is meant for educational purposes only and is not meant to diagnose or be a substitute for medical advice from your practitioner. Also, if you like what you hear on this show, I would be real appreciative if you would leave a review on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you're listening from and subscribe to the show. Okay, on to today's episode. We are diving deep into a new series today, talking all about cholesterol. We demonize cholesterol in conventional medicine and there are valid points to be concerned about elevated levels. There are also very valid reasons to not treat a borderline level. I had to throw that word in here. If you know me, then you know I hate that word, borderline. All that means is we are waiting for diagnosable disease. I would rather not get a full-blown disease. Cholesterol is a complex topic and I am not here to overwhelm. There are many opinions in healthcare. What ramps me up, what I am very passionate about, is informed consent. How many of us are started on medications and have no idea what they are, potential side effects, and possible downstream effects? Our body systems are placed in silos, and if the statin I put you on causes memory issues down the line or pain because of mitochondrial damage, don't you worry, we will get all into the meat and potatoes of this later on in the series. We don't see the whole person in conventional medicine. We see the body system we work with. I believe we need a wider approach, one that looks both upstream and downstream. The more information you have, the more you understand cholesterol's role in the body, because it does have a role, it's not all bad. Better outcomes are possible. Today, we're going to focus on what exactly cholesterol is and why it matters. The complete nerd in me finds this stuff really fascinating, and I think many of you also really geek out on information. I run cholesterol testing regularly in my practice, and oftentimes the numbers are not within normal range. This is going to be a great show, and I think you guys are going to love it. I am well prepared. Let's lean into cholesterol. All cells can synthesize cholesterol, 
about 20 to 25% of total cholesterol production occurs in the liver. Our adrenal glands, reproductive organs, and our intestines also account for a high production of cholesterol. Our brains are composed of 20% of the body's cholesterol, and interestingly, our brain synthesizes its own cholesterol. The blood-brain barrier prevents cholesterol within our blood circulation, cholesterol in peripheral tissues, to cross into the brain. It's estimated that cholesterol in the brain has a half-life between six months and five years, whereas its half-life in plasma is only a few days. Researching this topic was truly fascinating, particularly with regards to neurodegenerative diseases like Parkinson's, multiple sclerosis, and Alzheimer's. I am very interested in neurodegeneration, especially since seeing my results of the Array 5 from Cyrex Labs. I talked about this before on the show, but I have been running very interesting tests on myself, looking to uncover the root cause or causes for my issues in order to reverse my symptoms and subsequently stop the disease process in its tracks. When you're told by specialists, endocrinology and rheumatology specialists, that you are just filled with autoimmunity, plagued by autoimmune diseases, and that there is nothing you can do except wait for full-blown disease and then be given medications like immunosuppressives and or chemotherapy agents. Let's just say that something changes inside you. In those particular moments, I had to decide. Decide if I believe I'm hopeless to disease or if there were factors contributing to the disease process that could be altered, therefore changing my trajectory. I believe, and the literature shows, that we can absolutely influence our pathway. It makes sense that earlier identification and intervention can have a greater impact on disease expression. I have multiple autoimmune reactions going on, but the two I'm the most concerned with are myelin basic protein and alpha tubulin and beta tubulin as they are involved with demyelating and neurodegenerative diseases like MS. I am a total nerd, but there is something so liberating about combing through the research, especially newer research. I feel so empowered when gaining knowledge. Cholesterol is a lipid, a type of fat necessary for cellular function. Cholesterol plays a vital role in the body. Our cells need cholesterol in order to build healthy cells. Cholesterol is a part of the outer layer of our cells, the membrane of the cells. It is also the initial part of the steroidogenic pathway. Cholesterol is the precursor of estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, and many others, and also vitamin D. We also need cholesterol to make bile. Cholesterol plays a crucial role in cellular metabolism and also signaling pathways. 
it is vital for our immune system as it's involved in cellular differentiation and also function. Cholesterol biosynthesis uses more than 15 different enzymes that influence over 30 different reactions, and it begins with acetyl coenzyme A. This is a very complex process, and we need a better understanding of this process and the enzymes necessary for these processes. Cholesterol is the one and only precursor of steroids. Synthesis occurs within the mitochondria, the energy-producing powerhouses of our cells. When I think of mitochondria, I think of energy. Dr. David Hasse, a brilliant and engaging physician, educator, and also lecturer for the Institute of Functional Medicine, when he was teaching the course on mitochondria, he started by yelling, energy! This really resonated with me, and I can't think about mitochondria without wanting to yell energy. It really drives the point home on how important mitochondria are. You may be wondering, why is she going on and on about mitochondria? Mitochondrial dysfunction is linked with many different disease processes. And when thinking of cholesterol, I want you to think about the necessity of healthy mitochondria. We are just dipping our toes in at the moment, and this will all start to make a lot more sense throughout the series. So, if you don't quite get it, don't worry, you will. Cholesterol is a fat. Therefore, for it to travel through the body, through the bloodstream, it needs a friend. It can't get around on its own. Lipoproteins, tiny particles comprised of a lipid plus a protein, are just the friend cholesterol needs. They move cholesterol and other fats throughout the body. There are seven different classes of lipoproteins based on lipid composition, size, and apolipoproteins. Low-density lipoproteins, known as LDL, very low-density lipoproteins, VLDL, intermediate-density lipoproteins, IDL, high-density lipoproteins, HDL, chylomicrons, chylomicron remnants, and LP little a. All, except for HDL, are pro-atherogenic, promoting the formation of fatty plaques. When you have your cholesterol checked, the routine blood screening for lipids, LDL, HDL, total cholesterol, and triglycerides are measured. This panel also only looks at the total number of LDL and HDL, not particle size or number of specific LDL or HDL. This is an important distinction that will make more sense when we get into the nitty-gritty of these two lipoproteins next week. In my practice, the most frequent occurring question I'm asked is, which one is the bad one? It may be easier to understand the concept of cholesterol if we get more in-depth regarding lipoproteins. Lipoproteins are comprised of cholesterol, phospholipids, triacetylglycerol, and apolipoproteins. The core contains triglycerides. I want to emphasize a new word I mentioned, apolipoproteins. Apolipoproteins are highly significant and 
can provide more information when thinking about cardiovascular risk. Apolipoproteins have four main functions, assembly and secretion of lipoprotein, the structural integrity of lipoproteins, they inhibit or are co-activators of enzymes, and they bind or dock to specific receptors. The primary apolipoprotein of LDL, IDL, VLDL, and chylomicrons is apolipoprotein B, or ApoB for short. For each of these lipoproteins, there is one ApoB. ApoB greater than 130 is a risk-enhancing factor for cardiovascular disease. You can have normal LDL, or as I call it, the loser cholesterol, and have elevated ApoB. Checking ApoB is not a common practice in healthcare. Half of all heart attacks that lead to sudden death occur in individuals with normal cholesterol levels. What other factors are in play with regards to cardiovascular risk? Are there other tests that would give a better picture of actual risk? How about genetics? Is it important to consider genetics and family history when thinking about cholesterol? We also cannot look at the cardiovascular system without looking at the body as a whole. How does cholesterol, the good and the bad, affect the body? I've talked about the connection between an increase in LDL and hypothyroidism in the past. Episode 2. Definitely go back and listen if you missed it or as a refresher. Hypothyroidism leads to an increase in LDL, total cholesterol, and also LP little a. We will talk all about LP little a later on in the series. It warrants a big conversation. Undiagnosed or poorly managed hypothyroidism increases the risk for cardiovascular disease. As hormone production changes as we age, our cardiovascular risk goes up. Men with low testosterone may have low HDL, higher LDL, and also higher triglycerides. Menopausal women with lower levels of estrogen may have higher LDL levels and lower HDL. Early menopause is considered a risk factor for cardiovascular disease because of the reduction in estrogen levels. How about menopause at age 55? Is there a greater risk for cardiovascular disease? Heart disease is the number one killer of both women and men in America. Are we looking upstream? Are we looking for cofactors of cardiovascular disease? How about inflammation? How important is inflammation with regards to cardiovascular disease? We were taught that dietary cholesterol, saturated fats from animal products, increases the risks of cardiovascular events, and that limiting these foods are an important part of reducing our risk. Is this true? How about sugar? We know that both glucose and insulin increase cholesterol synthesis, which is an interesting concept to wrap your brain around. We're told to watch our saturated fat intake with regards to cholesterol, but not our sugar. If consuming sugar and then the subsequent insulin spike cause us to make more cholesterol, 
wouldn't it make sense to lower our sugar intake? Cholesterol has other functions in the body that until I really dove deep into this topic, I did not know. Cholesterol has a key role in cellular membranes as it modulates membrane permeability, fluidity, and signaling. And it is essential for metabolic regulation. Recent studies have shown that cholesterol is an important modulator of adaptive and innate immunity. Cholesterol is needed for T-cell activation and proliferation. T-cells are a part of the immune system helping to maintain immune homeostasis or balance. T-cells circulate in the body looking for foreign particles, protecting the body from infections and also cancers. While we need cholesterol, we do not need an overabundance of cholesterol. I liken it to sugar. Our body uses glucose for fuel, but in overabundance, it becomes toxic and there are downstream effects of having too much in the body. Cholesterol, while necessary, needs to be in balance and there are various factors that can influence cholesterol homeostasis. It's not just about fats in the diet, although depending on the genetics, this may have more or less impact. I just got my 3x4 genetics back and all I can say is wow. I texted my husband and told him I'm screwed. <laughs> I was joking, of course, as we can definitely influence our gene expression. This is called epigenetics. I have some pretty serious cardiovascular genes. And for some odd reason, this actually hypes me up. You would think it would be scary to some degree. But for me, it was the opposite. I feel empowered. I am planning on an episode dedicated to genetics, and I will share my results. That show will also be on my YouTube channel, The Functional Nurse Practitioner, so I can show you visuals and you can get a better idea of this type of testing. So stay tuned for that. I think we have a great start with this topic. It can quickly become overwhelming when diving into the cholesterol pool, and I am not looking to overwhelm. Next week, we will continue the conversation and focus on lipoproteins, what they do and why they matter. Follow me over on Instagram at The Functional Nurse Practitioner if you are not already. I hope you have a great rest of your day and I will see you very soon. Love you guys.